We've got a jam-packed show talking Super Bowl, talking softball, all kinds of things on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to talk Super Bowl. We're going to talk softball. Barry Switzer had some very interesting comments on the Oklahoma Sooners move to the SEC, and that's going to be something that we'll talk about as well. Tulsa World had a really nice story over there about that. Um, Josh, let's start with the Super Bowl. First of all, just your impressions. Congratulations, Kansas City Chief fan and all the Chiefs fans everywhere. Uh, I'm sure you all enjoyed that very much. Well, first off, sorry about, uh, I don't know what the echo was or what happened there, but good evening. It's great to be with you, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, lifelong fan, uh, over the moon, Mahomes baby again, magical in the second half. One incompletion, John, and he chose to throw it out of the back of the end zone in the second half. So he was incredible. But, you know, from an Oklahoma standpoint, the the story of the game to me was Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown and Kansas City's retooled offensive line. You had a Philadelphia defensive line that had 70 sacks on the season. They were an absolute wrecking crew all year long. They were that way throughout the postseason. They weren't that way last night versus Kansas City. And oh, by the way, guess what? Guess what rattled Mahomes' cage the last time he was on the biggest stage? It was Tampa Bay in that defense. He couldn't do anything. He ran 500 yards not in total rushing offense, John. Laterally, side to side on that that uh, that night down in Tampa Bay. But guess what? The retooled offensive line, to me, won the Super Bowl. I know that there's a lot of uh, flowers being thrown Patrick Mahomes' direction, and obviously he deserves a good, good heaping, a good helping of those, John. But to me, it was Creed Humphrey. It was Orlando Brown. It was the retooled offensive line that won that game for Kansas City really throughout, but especially in the second half. Like that big run that Mahomes had, Oh, man, all you got to do is step up and bad ankle and all realize, whoa, there's so much daylight. And and he had that opportunity again because of a couple of Sooners. Yeah, he didn't play a great game. And you're right. The offensive line for Kansas City played a fantastic game. You go back to that Tampa Bay game against the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl a few years back. And yeah, Mahomes, man, it was a struggle for him. You know, and it just goes to show that offensive line play is such a huge factor into quarterback play in particular. And the Kansas City Chiefs did something about it. They went and they drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. They traded a package of picks, including a first, to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown. And that's what good NFL teams do. That's what good front offices do is realize, hey, we've got probably the best quarterback in the NFL. We need to support him with some really talented offensive linemen. And, I mean, Creed Humphrey, in just a short time, he's arguably the best center in the NFL. I mean, he's either one or two. And – for a lot of people, he's not two. He's number one. And then Orlando Brown is a guy that had kind of been, I don't know, I think a lot of people have kind of been expecting him not to stay in Kansas City or him to get paid elsewhere or maybe not get the contract that he wants to. But there's a good chance that they bring him back after the performance that he's had throughout the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So big shout out to those guys. And it's a huge like feather in the cap for Bill Biedenboe as well. Like I know that development happens after they leave Norman and they go on to the NFL and they continue to get better. 
but he definitely had a fat, had a hand in what these guys have become, you know, from a you know, preparation standpoint to a development standpoint, physicality, technique, all that stuff. Like that's a huge feather in the cap for the Oklahoma Sooners offensive line coach. And if you're, if you're Bill Beanbow and you're going into kids' houses, you know, this next recruiting cycle, and you're, you're just showing them tape of Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown in the Super Bowl protecting Patrick Mahomes and be like, what else should I say? I mean, what else can I say here? You know, offensive line, you is alive and well in Norman. Well, and I'll tell you the other thing I'm doing, I'm mashing it up with clips from again, Kansas city's super bowl before that, where Mahomes is sprinting, running, racing, evading for his life to no avail. Right. I'm showing that I'm showing that clip with Mahomes kind of on his back, somewhat just like, totally horizontal to the field, throwing the football. Like this is what happens when you don't have great offensive line play. Oh, by the way, here's what happens ring number two when you do. So you're right. It was a massive feather in the cap for Oklahoma. The, the other part of it, just from the, the chiefs in the super bowl per, sooners suitors for the chiefs in the super bowl perspective, John, we talk again and again and again about blue chip prospects and the importance of who you sign, right? What you do in the, the signing classes. And I know that that's cumbersome for some folks out there from time to time, right? It's like, okay, same song and dance. We hear it all the time. But might I just point out to you that the two Sooners that we're talking about for Kansas City along that offensive line, Creed Humphrey, 144th nationally in the 2017 signing class per 24-7 sports. Number four player from Oklahoma, number two center, according to 24-7 Sports. Orlando Brown, out of Peachtree Ridge High School down in Georgia. Four-star prospect, 24-7 Sports. Number 29 offensive tackle. Number 22 player from a talent-rich state in Georgia. So what I'm saying is, it matters that you got Caden Green, okay? The, the blue chip factor, I know that you've had a Bray Walker here and there where it just flat out has not worked out. But generally speaking, I mean, a lot of these guys that we're talking about in the NFL, Lane Johnson maybe would be a little bit different story there. But, uh, I mean, there's two examples that stars matter, John. Yeah, and Anton Harrison's about to be that next one, too, where stars matter because he's going to get drafted very highly, probably in the first round. And it's just going to be a nice few months for for, for Bill Biddenboe, for Oklahoma, for Oklahoma's media department as they kind of continue to get that propaganda put together. Um and then just turning back to Jalen Hurts, you know, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, it was really hard for me to root against or to root for Jalen Hurts because he's a Philadelphia Eagle. But it was also hard for me to, like, not want him to succeed because I've become such a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Yeah, his his one year in Norman was amazing. Yeah, I always like that Baylor game and the comeback just lives rent free in my head nonstop. Like the way that he performed in that game after being down big in the first half is just incredible. And to see the progression, you know, see that he hasn't just kind of plateaued. He just keeps working, keeps getting better. And I think that's the thing I really appreciate most about his game is that the quarterback that we saw as a true freshman at Alabama and the quarterback that we saw in the Super Bowl last night, night and day different, totally different players, but it's because he worked at it. And yes, he's had coaches along the way, and I'm, I'll throw some credit to Lincoln Riley on that front as well. But he's worked. He's done the work. He's gotten into the lab. He's gotten onto the practice field. He's worked on technique. He's gotten into the film room. He's, he's, he's bettered his understanding of the game along the way. And, and I think that's a credit to him. And, I, and I, again, if you're Brent Venables, like you're 
I'd be hyping up Jalen Hurts as much as I possibly can and just showing these guys like this is what happens if you're willing to put the work in and you're willing to put the extra work in because if you have a weakness, you can fix it. You can improve it. Jalen Hurts passing ability was a weakness at Alabama. It's the reason that he got, you know, benched for Tua. But then, you know, he he makes strides. He improves his game, goes to, you know, comes to Oklahoma, makes it much, much better, goes to the NFL, and it's still not quite there. But then he improves it. Like his year one to year two progression, it's noticeable. Um, and even as the season went along, I think a lot of people are still doubting whether or not Jalen Hurts could be a passer. Man, he was diamond the ball all over the field on Sunday night and just a fantastic performance. Yeah, Jimmy, you know, Oki long guy, like, or sorry, Jimmy. Um, yeah, he's still fumbling. It's a, it's an issue, but it's an issue that he can continue. Can he can continue to correct? I think a guy with his skill set, his his talent, his ability. Sometimes it just leaves you a little lise fair with the football, but I think he'll continue to get better on that front. Well, and credit given where credits due. You know that was not a Jalen Hurts gets hit and coughs the football up. That was, honestly, I think Nick Bolton spooked him a little bit, that he was defended as well as it was, and all of a sudden the football's laying on, you know, just the one mistake that he made in the game because Nick Bolton's right there and Kansas City, I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed this in a game where Jalen Hurts, oh, by the way, sets the Super Bowl quarterback rushing record in a single game performance with the, the rushing performance that he had. It was like the one of the few times Kansas City defended the quarterback run game well. Okay, and lo and behold, it winds up being arguably the game's most important play for, for Kansas City, right? The, the defensive score right there. So give Nick Bolton a little bit of credit on it. It wasn't that Jalen Hurts was hit and coughed it up. It was sort of a departure from some of the fumble issues maybe we've talked about in the past. But that being said, I, I went back and I'm consuming everything because you're on cloud nine as a fan. So I'm, I'm watching every show. I, I don't normally do this, but I went and listened to a little bit of undisputed today. I watched what Shannon and skip had to say about the game. And I'll agree with one thing that skip said, and I'll totally disagree with another thing that skip said. I don't think that Jalen hurts lost the football game with that fumble last night. I would, I would disagree with that adamantly. Was it a massive mistake in the game and arguably the biggest mistake in the game? Sure. But he didn't lose the football game because of that one mistake. The thing that I'll agree with skip on Jalen hurts was incredible, incredible in the game last night. And I don't know that I would have had a big problem with it, John, if he was the game's most valuable player and skip said as much today. And Rarely do you come away from a Super Bowl and the the losing team's quarterback can you truly legitimately make that argument for. And not that Patrick Mahomes was bad. I thought Patrick Mahomes was marvelous and about as good as he could possibly be. As good as he could possibly be in the second half, John. And yet Jalen Hurts was so good with what he did. You know, the accuracy throwing the football the way that he impacted the game with the quarterback run game. I just thought he was, he was amazing in the game. I honestly didn't expect him to be that good in the game, given how the first couple of playoff games went for both he and the Eagles. You said it as much. He wasn't really the catalyst for their couple of wins in the postseason to date, but on the, on the biggest stage he delivered and it does give me hope for him and for Philadelphia fans watching tonight, man, I, 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 I wouldn't have thought so going in, but I'm a little bit more sold now that yes, because of Jalen Hurts, they have staying power. 
it matters the performance that he had in, in last night's game. I mean, 370 rushing and passing yards, four total touchdowns. I mean, it's, it was an epic performance. And had he won, he would have been the Super Bowl MVP. Unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes was fantastic in the second half. But it, it was one of those things. I, I said the same thing on Twitter earlier today. I said, in a rare occurrence, there was a player from the losing team that could have ended up being the, the uh, MVP. He didn't get a chance to have that you know two-minute drive because Kansas City orchestrated that final 5-15 perfectly, absolutely beautifully, that he didn't get a chance to really – have an opportunity to take them back and, and try to win the game, which would have been magical if he had gotten that opportunity. But all in all, a fantastic performance from Jalen Hurts, from Lane Johnson, obviously one of the best you know tackles in all of football. Orlando Brown and uh, Creed Humphrey obviously had fantastic games as well. Sooners well represented in the game, and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are now the Super Bowl champions. Uh, congrats to all of you out there that are KC fans. I know there's a lot. Sooner fans that, that cross over in that front as well. Make sure you go check out Locked On Chiefs all week long to celebrate uh, that Super Bowl. I'm sure you'll enjoy that as well. Uh, we're going to continue to talk some Oklahoma football as well. Barry Switzer, he said he was concerned about the move to the SEC in a Tulsa World story. And I'm like, Barry, Barry. We'll talk about that after Josh talks to y'all about LinkedIn. LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn jobs, easy to put it all together for you. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college, where you can post your job for free. Obviously terms and conditions apply over there, but that's uh that's numero uno, the top of the depth chart where people go to find the right candidates that they want to talk to. And obviously ultimately hire. It's easy. You can create a free job post in minutes over at LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond. It's the world's largest professional network over 810 million people add your job to the, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. So the network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools, screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you could quickly prioritize who you want to talk to and who you want to hire. It's why small businesses again, rate, rate LinkedIn jobs, just like the Kansas city chiefs, baby number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors like the Philadelphia Eagles. So go on over there, linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. I'm uh, I'm surprised that Barry Switzer said what he said. I don't disagree necessarily with uh, anything that he said. Obviously Oklahoma does need to be better and probably we should just set the actual picture itself. John, do you have the quote in front of you? What Barry Switzer said about, the uh, upcoming move to the SEC. I was surprised coming from the King that he, uh, he said what he said. So here you go. Take it away. Yeah. Barry Switzer told Tulsa world. I'm concerned. I know what it'll look like. It'll look like we're playing Texas every bleep and week and you can and fill in the blank there. But uh, yeah, listen, I, I get it. I get that. There are a lot of people that are concerned about, Oklahoma's moved to the SEC and wondering if they're ready or not, if their defense is ready. And and Switzer speaks to that. He speaks to, you know, the way that the defense looked this last year. It gave him some some pause for what the future looks like. But here's where I where I I disagree with Barry Switzer. And far be it for me to disagree with a Hall of Famer, with a a guy who as esteemed as Barry Switzer is um, on the gridiron. 
I struggle with this because what's the difference? You're chasing Alabama and Georgia anyway, whether you're in the Big 12 or you're the SEC. Whether you go in 2024, you go in 2025, the transition is going to be the same. The, the schedule is going to be the same. You're still going to have these issues that you, that you run into. And what's going to get you over the top ultimately is playing the best competition week in and week out and developing your talent to compete with that competition. So it's like we've talked about, you know, Oklahoma went to four playoffs and they couldn't sniff a a title game except for that game against Georgia because they just weren't good enough. They weren't good enough up front on both sides of the ball to compete with Alabama, Georgia, and they got beat in order to get to the point where you're contending with the sec, the best teams in the sec, you kind of have to be able to recruit like the sec and Brent Venables in one year has shown that he can recruit like the sec with that number four recruiting class. Now they still got to stockpile some interior defensive line talent to really set themselves up well for playing in the big or in the sec, but it's just odd, man. I, I just don't like Barry Switzer, a guy as esteemed as him kind of coming out and casting doubt on the future of the program. He's such an ambassador for the program. Like he needs to be the guy out there like Bob Stoops, like, you know, just passing out the Kool-Aid, you know, tooting the horn, waving the flag. Like that's kind of his job at this point. Yes. Do you want Switzer to tell us straight? Sure. But I also don't want him like casting doubt on what Brent Venables is building either. Because again, so many people take their cues from Barry Switzer. And so if it's like, Oh, if Switzer's concerned, then maybe we need to be concerned. And sure, like, are there things that Oklahoma needs to improve? 100%. But I don't think you're going to improve them by staying in the Big 12. And the idea that you're going to be playing Texas every single week, well, you've dominated Texas for much of the last two decades. So why is that a concern? So, like, if you're concerned about playing Texas, then are you going to be concerned about playing Ole Miss and Kentucky and Tennessee and South Carolina and Missouri and Texas A&M? No you're right in that second tier of teams in the sec right now. And you can even throw Texas in there if you want to as because they recruit as well as anybody in the country, but they haven't been able to translate that into actual results on the football field. So if you're concerned about Texas, then why are you concerned? Like you shouldn't be concerned about Texas. First of all, except that it's always a, you know, a a coin flip game to begin with but you really shouldn't be concerned because you don't fall that far behind the top of the sec. You don't sit that far back from those guys. Are there going to be challenges? hundred percent. But why are you afraid of the challenge? Don't be afraid of the challenge. Like it's the thing that we kind of mocked Lincoln Riley for is that he was afraid to play in the sec. So he went out West to be in the pac 12 and then, Oh, well he got, he got sent to the big 10. So like if we're not down, like if we're, if we're concerned or if we kind of, cast aspersions and kind of made fun of Lincoln Riley for avoiding the sec, then should we kind of do the same thing with Barry Switzer for being concerned about Oklahoma moving to the sec or is that, you know, sacrosanct? We don't, we don't make fun of the King. Well, typically no, we don't. And it's the King's entitled to his opinion, right? I mean, he's, he's totally, within bounds to share whatever he thinks. Is it okay if I read a little bit more of the quotes that Barry Switzer had to say? Absolutely. So obviously he said, he said it'd be like we're playing Texas every week, every bleeping week. 
And I'm taking from that that he's saying it's going to look like 49 to nothing. Not that they're going to play Texas every week, that it's going to be a you-know-what kicking, perhaps going forward for Oklahoma on more occasions than Oklahoma fans would like to know, unless the rest of this comes to fruition. So Barry Switzer also said, quote, you've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. It's going to be hard to do. I'm concerned. I want someone to raise their hand in a couple of years and say, I'm the one who took us to the SEC. I don't know who made the decision, how it was made, or who was involved. This is where it gets interesting. This is this is me jumping in here, John, but this is where it gets interesting. You mentioned Lincoln Riley, and it sounds like to me, and this is where I think you get a little bit disenfranchised, it kind of sounds like Switzer would still rather Lincoln Riley be the head coach at Oklahoma the way that some of these these quotes play out. But listen to this next next deal here. Quote, I think it's one of the main reasons Lincoln Riley left. He wasn't involved, so he got the bleep out of here. People say that they don't like the way Riley left. How did you want him to leave? You want him to call the team together and say, hey, I'm quitting. This is my last game. Now let's go out here and play hard. You don't do that. Why is OU going to the SEC? Money. Why did Riley leave? Money. I was certainly disappointed the defense. I didn't think we fell off that much from the year before with the players. Maybe we did. I don't know. Talking about the finish to last season. So, you know, that's like you said, when you're Barry Switzer, everything that you say publicly is elevated because you're Barry Switzer. It's a reflection whether or not, whether or not that's accurately the case. It's a reflection of, to some degree, the way the, the fan base is going to feel about where things are at and where things are headed. And uh, it was not a ringing endorsement from the King on this move to the SEC or the fact that it cost you your previous head football coach in Barry Switzer's mind in Lincoln Riley, which I thought was one of the most curious angles to this. Yeah. And listen, it's as you said, you know, Barry Switzer is entitled to his opinion. He's earned it. He's earned the weight and the gravity in which his opinion carries. I just wish he'd be more of that ambassador. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he doesn't, he's not going to sugarcoat things. I get that. But to say that to, to call out somebody and say, Hey, we need, we need someone to, to take accountability for this move. Like that's kind of silly to me. It, it is because why is it bad? Like, why is it a bad move in Barry Switzer's mind other than the competitive standpoint to which point I wonder like, what would he have done if, you know, back in the eighties, you know, the Oklahoma Sooners decided to move to the Southwest conference, you know, and they were going to have to play, you know, Texas and A&M and whatever teams or, or to the big 10 have to play Ohio state and Michigan. Like, would he have felt the same way? No. Would he have been concerned about the, the level of competition that Oklahoma would have to face? No, he'd say, screw it. We're going to go hang half a hundred on him. Right. Cause that's who he was. That's the confidence in which he lived his life. And so it just bothers me a little bit that he's not applying that same confidence. He's not applying that same level of, of swagger, that same level of attitude to this Oklahoma Sooners move. It needs to be, I mean, yeah, his opinion's solid. You know, Oki Longa, I get that. But I think that's what I want from Barry Switzer in this stage of his life and career and just be the same guy that you were when you were the Oklahoma Sooners head coach. Like nobody's going to beat us. We're going to go beat everybody. Screw everybody else. We're Oklahoma. That's, that's what Bob Stoops did, right? 
And that's what we loved about Bob Stoops when Lincoln Riley left. He said, Oklahoma is still going to be Oklahoma. Brent Venables came and he said, Oklahoma doesn't take a backseat to anybody. And then here we have Barry Switzer saying, well, I'm concerned. And it's like, it's just deflating. It's deflating. And there's going to be a big chunk of the fan base that's going to carry that into the 2024 season. And if they don't, or sorry, the 2023 season, and if they don't see the results, i.e. a Big 12 championship game, they'll remember that. They'll remember what Barry Switzer said and they'll think, oh man, maybe Oklahoma's not ready for the SEC. Maybe it was a mistake to go to the SEC. Maybe Brent Venables isn't the guy. Maybe Joe Castiglione's not the guy. Maybe Joseph Harrah's. Maybe he's not the guy. And that's where I have a problem with what Barry Switzer had to say. And I mean, is it valid to be concerned? Sure. Is it valid to, to have you know, this idea that you want the defense to be better? Obviously, we all want the defense to be better. It's just different when it's Josh and I talking about this and when it's Barry Switzer talking about this. You know, it'd be the same thing if Bob Stoops came on, you know, went on KREF with Teddy and, and Tyler and said, Man, I'm just not so sure about this team moving the SEC. I just don't think it's, I just don't know it's going to work out. Whoever made that decision, they probably, they might have made a big mistake. Like, how would we feel if Bob Stoops said the same thing? I don't think we'd carry it the same way. And again, Barry Switzer is a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. He's seen more football, done more in football than I will ever in my wildest dreams do in football. I just disagree with him on this. I disagree with kind of the, the, the stance that you're concerned. Like if you're Oklahoma and you feel confident in what you are as a program, then you're not concerned. Do you have things you have to work on? Absolutely. But you're Oklahoma. If you've got the right guy, then you feel like it's going to work out. And again, it might not. It might not. But it's very different for me, John Williams, on the Locked On Sooners podcast to say, hey, the defense got to get better. This may not work out. Then it is for Barry Switzer to go into the Tulsa world where not only are the Tulsa world readers going to see it, but everybody that follows Oklahoma football is going to see it because it's going to get aggregated by every site. I mean, I've almost finished up my piece over at Sooners Wire on it. I just want, I want my guy, I want the legend to carry that same bravado, you know, that he, that he coached with, you know, that's what I want. Say you're concerned, say you feel like the, the defense has to be fixed, but then take, take a holistic view of it and say, man, I really think with what they're building in the transfer portal and, and the recruiting class, I really think they're on the right track, you know? Don't just count, just don't just talk down on the program just because you don't like the move to the SEC or you don't like that Lincoln Riley left. Build up the program because you're such a huge part of that program. And no, it's not going to be a cakewalk when you go to the SEC. Just sorry, Josh. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. But if you're Oklahoma, why should that scare you? If you really think that you're one of the best programs in the country, you should welcome that challenge. It'd be like Mike Tyson you know, staring down Muhammad Ali, like the great, you know, Muhammad Ali in his prime and Muhammad Ali's talking everything. He's saying everything, talking about how he's the greatest. You think Mike Tyson's going to bow, you know, bow out and be like, Oh man, that's Muhammad Ali. I don't know if I've got this one guys. I'm kind of concerned. He's got the reach on me. You know, he's got the, he's got the experience. He's knocked everybody out. He's got the quickness, the, you know, the elusiveness. No, Mike Tyson's going to walk in there, get in tight, and he's going to try and you know throw some haymakers. He's going to do everything he can to knock Muhammad Ali out. And that's what, that's what you want for Oklahoma, is you want them to feel like, hey, man, Alabama, they're a great team. But you know what? We're building something. We're going to be a great team too. 
and we, we are on our way. And there's going to come a time where it's going to be us standing at the top of the mountain. That's what I want from Barry Switzer. Well, and wouldn't it be nice if Barry Switzer was of the mindset again? And let me just say this before I rattle off into this line of thinking, Barry's entitled to his opinion. He is the King and speak your truth, Barry. If, uh, if that's how you feel and you're legitimately concerned, then so be it. I wish he felt differently, but if that's how he feels, then that's how he feels. And it's the King and he's entitled to share his opinion. I also would say, I don't think Bill Haston, you know, the, presentation of at times of these types of stories is important and who the source is that's putting the, the story together. Bill Haston, I don't believe uh, in my dealings with Bill, great guy, terrific reporter. He's not in the business of only cherry picking quotes like that from Barry Switzer that present it and frame it as Barry Switzer's concerned while also leaving out the quote where Barry Switzer said, but I've got complete faith in Brent Venables. So I, I, I don't think that was a part of the conversation, I guess, is what I'm getting at. He's legitimately, he's legitimately concerned about the jump. I wish that he was more of the mindset that it wasn't just about money, John. I do think that Oklahoma's leadership, and let's call it what it is, it was President Harris and Joe Castiglione that made the call to jump to the SEC. We don't need anybody to raise their hands. Those are the gentlemen who will raise their hands. It's President Harris and it's your athletic director, Joe Castiglione, that want to go to the SEC that made the call. And oh, by the way, it's you on Locked On Sooners. It's myself. It's John. This has not been... This has not just been President Harris and Joe Castiglione that want this. There's been a clamoring from the fan base dating back several years that maybe it's time Oklahoma gets into the SEC or challenges itself more regularly with those types of opponents. That way it's not embarrassed on the big stage. So I wish Barry was a little bit more of the, not if we can't beat them, join them mindset, but hey, we've got to go beat those guys to get to our ultimate prize and we're going to go do it. And that's part of the reason we're going there too. It's not strictly cash. Obviously, money's a big part of it. I'm not naive. I would not sit here and tell you that it's not a big puzzle piece here. Of course it is. The long-term financial viability of Oklahoma is certainly at stake in a big part of the SEC jump. It's not the only reason. It's not the only reason Oklahoma is going to the SEC, John. The competitive angle to it, the recruiting side to it is a part of it as well. And again, not that it's if you can't beat them, join them. But, hey, we got to go play these guys on a regular basis and beat them. And when we beat Alabama and when we beat Georgia, guess what? Then we're going to know. We're going to know we're ready to go win a college football playoff and a national championship. I wish he had a little bit more of that thinking involved, but obviously (laughs) it doesn't seem like that's the case. No, he doesn't. And listen, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I'm eternally grateful to Barry Switzer for you know that Super Bowl he gave us in '95. It's the last time the Dallas Cowboys have sniffed anything like a championship. So shout out to Barry. Obviously, he's got that long track record um, of success with the Oklahoma Sooners. And sorry if I got a little uh, little testy there, Uncle Barry. Um, I just don't. I listen. I want. I just want you to take on more of that Bob Stoops rah rah cheerleader. Let's go get him kind of a guy like. That's all. That's all. It, that's just me. Let's call it what it is. I've got, you know, one good Barry Switzer story I can I could share with you that's just like peak Barry, but it's neither here nor there, right? That the point is this. I've had limited dealings with Barry Switzer. 
because I'm younger and I wasn't a part of that era of Oklahoma media. But for anybody that's dealt with Barry Switzer or just has watched Oklahoma from that era of football or gone through the archives, it's out of character for Barry Switzer, right? This does not sound like Barry Switzer. Like what? That's the king? Doesn't sound like the king. Yeah, and you know, Oki Longrai brings up an interesting point. Maybe Barry didn't agree with the higher Brent Venables. Maybe that's certainly possible. You know, it's not he wasn't probably everybody's guy, but you know what? Joe C and Joseph Harris says we got our guy, and Bob Stoops says we got our guy. So, got our guy. Um, coming up, let's let's touch a little bit more on the move to the SEC. Let's talk some Oklahoma Sooner softball. We'll talk a little basketball as well. Uh, we'll take your questions and get on out of here after that. Uh, but first, let me talk to you all about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. If you haven't tried it, make sure you go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You can get 15% off your order. Mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, coconut brownie chunk, all kinds of fantastic flavors. They're low calorie, high protein, low sugar. Great for you. Great tasting. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Sorry, I've got the chat going on over here. I got Josh sending me articles over here. All kinds of notifications popping up as I'm talking to y'all about built.com. If I'd have had a built bar, I'd probably be able to focus in a little bit more on what I'm trying to do here. Uh, so go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order over at built.com. Hey, also go check out the Locked On College Basketball pod- Podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Then go check that out. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. March Madness is just around the corner. Oklahoma is probably not going to take place in it, but we'll talk more about that a little bit down the road. Um, first, SEC move, moving in 2024. Any other th- thoughts that you have on this over the weekend josh we recorded our episode you know earlier this week and and or sorry friday talking about everything that went down um with john garcia we talked more about it on thursday night so were there any more lingering thoughts that you had on the early sec move that you'd want to share well i'll just i guess rehash what i've said in the past to me i i've been ironclad on this and really ever since oklahoma was decimated in the peach bowl by LSU. That's when I fully came around. I think I was sort of already leaning that way in the early 2010s. You know, when the SEC ripped off that string of national championships that kind of began with, you know, a couple of those from LSU and obviously one at the expense of Oklahoma. And then, oh, by the way, the, the Florida Gators jumped into the party. And then it was Alabama and Auburn snuck one. And it was SEC, SEC, SEC. And they're rattling off all these championships in Oklahoma, meanwhile, continued to not be able to break through. It just felt like the momentum was building more and more that, huh, gosh, it'd be nice to be able to get a, to be a part of that. Or man, it stinks that you have that sec recruiting hangover above you, that dark cloud that everybody had in, you know, over you on the recruiting trail. How many times throughout the early, you know, late two thousands, in really the early 2010s, did we hear something about from high-profile defensive prospects, I just want to play in the SEC. And it was so frustrating to hear that and be like, what the 
why do you not want to play at Oklahoma? And yet there was that perception that was built, right? And then all of a sudden, years down the line, you get to the Peach Bowl, you get absolutely embarrassed and throttled again by LSU. And that was sort of the final straw for me, meltdown mode. Dude, we just got to go get in this conference. We got to find out what we can do. You flirted with the the Pac-12 thing. It didn't happen. Uh, The plug got pulled on that late. Get to the SEC. So from that point forward, I was of the mindset, I don't care if you take your lumps for a while, get in now, get rid of that recruiting disadvantage and go play these guys on a regular basis. So for me, where I'm sitting, man, it's curious that we're talking about this Barry Switzer comment at the same time. I know that Haston talked to him because of the, the news getting finalized here, John, but to me, man, for so many reasons, you wanted to get this thing done now. And as I told you, I think the recruiting pitch, what you're selling these guys on the recruiting side to have a sense of clarity, to have a sense of finality that, hey, it's not going to be, eh, we'll see if we, we'll see if there's an early exit. No, it's not going to be 2025 or in the SEC. It's 2024. It's, it's clear as day. That's done. That part is decided. And, oh, by the way, that's what you were selling this 23 signing class that was so great was, hey, you got a chance to come in and be the difference makers for us in the SEC. You're going to be doing the same thing with a 24 class. So just get there. Make that recruiting pitch be true. And then beyond that, man, look, the whole kick in the can down the road of, oh, we got to build the roster. We got to build the roster. You should be confident that Oklahoma's now built the roster or very close to having built the roster. Don't run away from the challenge. You're Oklahoma fans. Don't back away. Want to beat Bama. Want to go play Georgia. Want to go play Tennessee. All challengers, let's go. Don't wait two or three years to do it. Want it today. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if if you're you're chasing Georgia, you're chasing Bama, whether you're in the Big 12 or the SEC or not, like get there, you'll figure it out. If you can land your David Stone, your Williams and Winery, your Zadavian Sims, if you can land two or two of those three guys or all three, you're going to be in much better shape as you go to the SEC, but you're already in a really good spot. Like you, you have a number four recruiting class. The only classes that were better were Texas, Georgia, Bama for 2023. So like, that's really, really big. So it's obviously you got to keep building. You got to build on that. But the idea that you're going to be going to the SEC means you're going to have a great chance at building another top five recruiting class. I mean, Vanderbilt had the number 32 recruiting class in the 2022 cycle. They were right on the fringe of a top 50 class in the 2023 cycle. Vanderbilt. If that doesn't show you the power of the SEC, I don't know what else can. And Oklahoma's going to continue to get that bump. And eventually it'll it'll play out on the football field and it'll it'll take shape on the football field. Uh, just a couple questions here. Uh, Jimmy's asking, will OU sign David Stone? That's probably going to be one of those recruitments that, that lingers on um, from the guys that we've talked to, you know, Parker Thune, John Garcia, everybody still feels positive that it's Oklahoma, but there's no telling, man. I think with him, with Michigan state, there's really no telling until that, that ink is signed because yeah, he's, I mean, he's a homegrown kid, but we saw by Job go up to Michigan state too. And there could be a connection there that hasn't happened yet, but yeah, we'll see. So can we shift to a little bit of basketball and the, <laughs> well, we could do, which would you prefer? This is how I approached it with Connor Pasby 
this uh, this morning on the radio side. Would you like glass half full or would you like glass half empty? Which would you like first? Go I, whatever way you're feeling, Josh, on Oklahoma basketball. Okay, well let let's go glass let's go glass half empty just because again you tossed Lee's comment up there and it it's probably the most newsworthy because there's a couple of items here I think that have happened today that are very very interesting. So Lee asked the question: Is Porter Moser on the hot seat? Obviously, the you know the the most concerning thing to me, John, and I said it all morning long on the radio side. The most concerning thing to me about what's happened with OU is this: Th- this is what scares me a little bit. West Virginia and Kansas both. First of all, you beat West Virginia in round one. Now, granted, you almost coughed that thing up not too long ago, if you remember back to that game, but you did win by one right inside the LNC. Kansas, John, they almost beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. This same team almost beat that Kansas team. Baylor, you lost by two at home, right? Okay, fast forward, all of these. Double-figure losses. Oklahoma's lost four straight by double figures. And, oh, by the way, that is uh, horribly understating what happened versus both West Virginia and Kansas, right? You got obliterated by both. When Oh, by the way, you beat one in round one, and the other you almost won in the most hallowed, possibly storied grounds in all of college basketball history. And yet we fast forward not too long later, and guess what? You're not even competitive with those teams. So that would, I would start there with OU basketball. That to me, that's the mark of good coaching, right? Is okay. Is this team getting better? And the obvious answer to that question is no, John, they're getting decidedly worse. So is Porter Moser on the hot seat? Yes. I think he's squarely on the hot seat, not at the end of this year, but in year three, right? If there's no results next season, I think your hands are probably tied and you have to move on. So your reaction to that. And then there's some news that broke today. One from Porter Moser and one from Mike Bray, both fascinating. Yeah. I spoke on, on the ref with uh, Steely and Thune at noon uh, about this question. And I don't, I don't think he's really on the hot seat right now. I think if we get into this stage of the 2023, 2024 basketball season, and we're seeing, Oklahoma with a two and 11, you know, big 12 record, then yeah, he's gone after, after the season. Uh, If we're seeing them getting blown out like this, he may not even last the season, but I think they're going to give him time. You know, Joe Castiglione's a patient guy. Uh, You know, Joseph Harris there. He's a patient dude. Like they're going to give this thing time to see if it can work. But I mean, some of these recruits that Porter Mosier's signed for, you know, this next season, a couple four star guys, I think they got to play pretty much right away because what you got isn't working. And I mean, you got some talent in, uh, um, Oway and, and miles Uzan and, you know, a little bit in Bajan, you know, Cortez, but you need some shooting and you need some athleticism and you need them bad, like in a bad, bad way. And so there's a lot that has to get better for Oklahoma basketball to get better. Uh, but I don't think changing coaches right now is the key unless you can tell me that you can bring in, you know, Samson from Houston. You know, like if you can tell me that you can bring him in and replace Porter, then okay. I wonder, and I, and I've kind of had this, this passing thought from time to time, like did the decline in play for Oklahoma kind of coincide? It felt like it coincided 
with the the first bit of Porter Mosier rumors as kind of Mike Bray started getting on the hot seat a little bit. And now we can kind of transition to Mike Bray, the Notre Dame head coach said he's not going to retire. Um, sounds like they're going to just have to outright fire him if they want him to leave. Um, but also Porter said he's not interested in the Notre Dame job. So there's a whole, whole swath of things happening uh, between Oklahoma and Notre Dame that makes this all really intriguing. Yeah. And is it interesting to you? that we found this out about Moser seemingly when, when did the Bray news break? When did that report come out? Was it before or after what we heard from Moser? I want to say it was before, but either way it comes out on the same day, which I mean, is it not a little curious that Porter didn't squash this thing a week ago or two weeks ago? Why wait until the exact same day that now all of a sudden we're getting this report that Bray, uh, wait a second, uh, I never said I was stepping away. I mean, that to me is, now, now I think it's good, you know, the, the quote from, I'm not trying to say that it's bad. I, I like that Porter Moser came out and said, look, uh, I'm a Catholic kid. Here's a quote from Porter Moser. Quote, I'm a Catholic kid from Chicago. I have a lot of respect for that university. With that said, I have no interest. I've not, pur- I've not pursued it, nor do I have any interest. Oklahoma's my home. Part of this, I guess, to answer my own question, John, is he wasn't straight up asked about it, I'm sure, in a press conference until this question was asked. But it's just kind of interesting that those both happened on the same day. So Porter's saying I'm sticking, and really to me it's as simple as if he is sticking, year three is it's got to be better. It will determine whether or not it's going to work out long-term at Oklahoma. And I agree with you. Guys like the two that they've signed, Caden Cooper and Jacob Cole, They've got to step in, and they've got to be players, and they've got to be difference makers straight away. That's a couple of top 100 signees. Now, neither one of those guys are the two pieces that I think Oklahoma is sorely lacking above all else, John, which is they need two or three legit bigs. they got to find those guys, and they haven't had them. And I think Oklahoma's run into the same problem now with Tanner Groves that it had with Brady Manick right before him. Okay? Tanner Groves would be a good player at Oklahoma. He would be, as as much as he's getting the fans' ire, he would be a good player at Oklahoma if he wasn't asked to go be a five every single night for Oklahoma. Find a legitimate four and five, and then let somebody like a Groves come in and be a stretch four type, John. Yeah, that's that's a very good point because he's not athletic enough to bang with what's going on in the big 12 right now on the interior. It's just, he just doesn't have it, Uh, you know, decent enough player. He's a solid player, uh, but just not a, he's a matchup kind of nightmare for Oklahoma. You don't have anybody that you feel like you comfortable that you can put him on to guard. It's just been a, a big hot mess. And in this offense that requires good shooting, They just haven't been good enough shooting the basketball. Now let's talk about something that is very positive, and that's Oklahoma Sooner softball. 5-0 in the Mark Campbell Invitational, two shutouts, two run rule wins, three ranked wins, top 25 wins. Josh, kind of some of your takeaways from that one. Well, I thought it was a – I'm not going to say a perfect weekend for Oklahoma softball because – look, they could have played better in spots, right? I, You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. But in a way, it was a perfect weekend for Oklahoma softball. Jordy Ball in the Washington game, 
Not really quite Jordy Ball. Not the worst thing, though, that Nicole May has to come in out the pin, out the relief, and she goes three and a third and strikes out eight and was marvelous to get Oklahoma out of that jam, and they go win a tightly contested ball game. Same thing with Liberty. I mean, obviously, a little bit different storyline there, but they made you work for it, right? You had to go earn it in extras. Duke, you could even say in the season opener, to some degrees, was, was a little bit that way. It wasn't the... Oklahoma runs away and hides that a lot of folks, you know, at times are guilty of expecting this softball program of doing every single time that they go out there, right? Because they've set that bar, that expectation so high and yahoos like me get on here and say, well, John, I don't know. Could they go undefeated this year? So I'm a part of the problem. I get that. I admit that I raise my hand in the name of uh, the King Barry Switzer. I will raise my hand and not for the sec thing, but in regards to this, yes, it's me. I am guilty here. I'm that guy. But having said that, I thought it was positive overall from Oklahoma. It's not bad to get tested early. They uh, obviously, you know, saw some good things, I think, across the board. And, oh, by the way, they did come away with a couple of run rule victories. So there were moments that that lineup flexed its muscles. But I don't think that anybody over there is upset about a perfect 5-0, and John. And, oh, by the way, getting challenged a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of how I came away, is thinking like, okay, you won. You won all five. You had three top 25 wins. You beat a really good Washington team. Like, that's, that's a team that's a college World Series team pretty much every year. Uh, and then, you know, Duke's been a team on the rise as well. Stanford, we know, is a good softball program as well. So, I mean, I think they're solid wins, however you slice them. Are they as dominant as we've seen in recent years? No, but I don't think that it's going to be long before we start seeing that. I mean, you look through the the stats in just the first five games. I mean, Sydney Sanders, who hit over 400 last year uh, at Arizona State, um, she hit – what was it 154 um, in the first five games? Alyssa Brito, same. I mean, she was the plus 350 hitter. She hit 154. Elena Torres, uh, I think she hit 400 last year for Arizona State, and she hit 111 in the first five. So I'm not like, so I think like while you can wonder where the power stroke is, where the, the hitting is, just know it's coming because there's no way those three players are going to hit 154 better or worse for the course of the season, you'll start seeing them really take things on and really start to, to find their groove a little bit. But to me, one of the positive takeaways was Haley Lee. You know, I think, I think a lot of us expected her to be really good, but I mean, she's tied for the team lead in batting average. She's tied for the team lead in RBIs. She's got a home run, you know, walked them off against Stanford. Like this might be kind of your next clutch player that you have at Oklahoma. One of those people that you can really key in on and count on. And she's going to get a lot of opportunities because she's going to hit the hit really, really well. So, and then some of this is like, they, they had 15 players get at bats um, over the weekends. I think Patty Gasso, JT Gasso, Jennifer Rocha, they're kind of trying to figure this thing out right now. They've got a whole lot of new pieces in the lineup, in the, in the pitching rotation. They're just trying to figure out how do they have all these different moving parts and, and what do they do with them and how do they kind of fit them all together? And, and you still didn't have Kinsey Hansen available. So there's a lot that's going to be coming down the pipe for Oklahoma and they're going to get better. The hitting is going to come and I don't think it'll take long for it to come. Obviously they're going to have some really tough, tough tests uh, coming up as well. Uh, But this is going to be a really, really good team. And I think what we saw is I think this might be their most balanced team 
you know, offensively and pitching wise, just their ability to go four deep in the rotation is pretty impressive, but they won't have that deep of a, of a rotation. They'll probably run more like three uh, pitchers and then you'll see Kirsten deal in certain matchups. Uh, but, you know, coming up next for them, like they got Longwood in Waco, Stephen F. Austin, Army and Baylor um, in the, in the Getterman classic. So like all, you know, very much opportunities for Oklahoma to like really pour some runs if they're able to kind of get some things going offensively. I think sometimes we forget to, and you know, I'll be guilty of this. I'm sure to some degree, and probably everybody is a little bit. This, this wouldn't be the case for John, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, but like just for example, and this is a dumb exercise, but sometimes you relate things back to your own life. Right. And if you and I didn't do the show for two months, probably I'm not going to be as good at the show the first time we do the show next, right? You get out of habit. You get out of practice. These are not robots out there playing softball for Oklahoma. It's the first five freaking games they've played this season. Let them get into the swing of softball season. Oh, by the way, they won every single game, and three of those were against highly ranked opponents. So it was a great start to the softball season for OU, and they're only going to get better as, again, they get no pun intended, into the swing of the season here. Yeah, and again, very impressive to me that Nicole May, it was kind of the story of the weekend. You know, I think with the pitching that they added with Alex Taraka with Jordy Ball coming back, I feel like she kind of became a bit of an afterthought. Uh, but a player that was number 11 in ERA in the nation last year, and she has 18 strikeouts on 11 innings pitched. Uh, on the season uh she's only allowed what is it 10 base runners in those 11 innings so she's got a sub one whip like she's throwing really really well you know alex Taraco, she gave up the home run but she's also pitching well uh, she's only allowed six base runners and hit her six and two thirds so like this is all really really impressive um any other kind of big takeaways from the weekend josh no but i did want to say before we got out of here i just thought you know to cover all of our bases Wow, Oklahoma men's gymnastics. I know this is sort of off the, the radar for some here, but dude, they have not lost in McCaslin Fieldhouse since 2007. Stop it, Okie Long Guy. Patty's on the hot seat. Get out of here. Get out of here with that nonsense. You're distracting me. 16 years, Oklahoma men's gymnastics has not lost in McCaslin Fieldhouse. And oh, by the way, they took down number one Stanford, who really, you know, Mark Williams is probably the nicest guy on planet earth john i know at times you and i uh are sort of like saint saint nicholas ish we're nice guys right we're not we're not mark williams nice okay this is like the nicest guy on planet earth privately i think if he was totally honest with you e even though he's obviously very familiar with stanford and they've gone to war there's some things about stanford's ability to lure players in that give them a little bit of an advantage over oklahoma from a scholarship standpoint that just simply put makes that victory a little bit sweeter for OU that they were able to go beat those guys when as great as OU's been, they're really not on a level playing field with Stanford. So incredible hats off to you, Mark Williams and your program. You guys are amazing. What a big win for those guys. And then sooner women's basketball, just, just rolling, rolling right along. Great performance for Liz Scott. She goes and scores a season high, I believe uh, in game high 20, for Oklahoma, they spank around Kansas State, and they're right there. Knock, knock, knocking. Hey, 
hey, Longhorns, right here in your rearview mirror, trying to capture a Big 12 championship. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really uh, fun things happening with Oklahoma Sooners athletics right now. Women's gym as well just continues to just dominate all over the place. Uh, but the basketball team that, that's going to be the team I'm really looking forward to watching this this March. Uh, it's just seeing how much of a step forward they can take in Jenny Branchick's second year in the tournament. So it's going to be a lot of fun, Josh. Uh, anything else? Any other questions y'all want to throw at us before we get out of here tonight? Oki Lawn Guy, would you like to apologize for trying to take the Super Bowl away from Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? This is your final opportunity to uh, to be a good sport and not blame it on the officials. Yeah, we'll have to talk about the uh, the scholarship uh, guys that got put on scholarship tomorrow in tomorrow's show because I always love those moments. We'll have to see if we can get the get the video and share some of it, but that's always a fantastic moment um, when a, a walk on gets a, a scholarship opportunity. So we'll talk more about that on our next show. Uh, we'll dig into some recruiting stuff. We'll continue to get into the, uh, what Oklahoma needs to do in spring to kind of ease some of our fears, maybe, or ease some of our concerns. We'll, we'll talk through some of those things and, and whatever else pops, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the live show. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcast. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you're subscribed. Um, over on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.